In today's sermon, Pastor Eddie Mason details the extraordinary lengths God has gone to in order to reveal himself. Since the creation of man, God the Father has made it his priority to make himself known. I want to talk to you again about the importance of the Holy Spirit. This is my third, my third uh, sermon on the, on the Holy Spirit and the importance of the Holy Spirit. You see, since the creation of man, since the very creation of man, the God the Father has made it his priority to make himself known. Some people think God's hiding himself from us. He is not. He wants to be made known. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that this is eternity. This is what eternal life is. It is to know God. And so for all of, it, all of life, I believe we're going to come into the greater realm and greater knowledge of who God is. And, and so Father wants us to know who He is. He has revealed Himself. And His desire is for a people who make Him the priority and that will make Him known. It's good enough that it's not, it's not just good enough that you want Him you got to want to make Him known. How many of you want to make Jesus known? You see, sometimes we get this stuff and we're like a, we're like a hen sitting on a china egg. God given us a gift, but it's become a china egg. Anybody know what a china egg is? It's one of those things that are made out of ceramics or they're made out of porcelain or, or, or whatever, and they won't ever hatch because there's no life in there. And that's what we do is we take the life of Jesus and we so bind it up, the Holy Spirit, we bind Him up to where we can't let Him go and we don't affect the lives of others. And we've been called to be life producers. We're supposed to bring life wherever we go. And so if you're walking into a bad situation and the cars are all jammed up and nobody's moving and you're running 30 minutes late, what you're supposed to be doing is not joining in with the rest of the crowd and condemning and cursing. You're supposed to be releasing life and transforming the atmosphere. Well, some of you said amen. <laughs> Most of us want to chew people out, cuss people out. We want, to do, we want to act and look just like the world. But we're not called to do that. In Jeremiah 31, 33, uh, Jeremiah says, For this is the covenant. God said, This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. God said, I want a people that will be my people. He said, I'll take and I'll write my laws on their hearts. They will serve me because they desire to serve me. They will come and gather together because they desire to come and gather together. They will minister my life because they desire to minister life. They're on fire with me. Not because they're compelled to. Not because there's some checklist that they have to go through. They're doing it because inside of them there is this new life that you're just saying, I cannot contain what God has done in me and through me. And if you can, then you better go read Revelation because it talks about a place of being lukewarm. And the people that can contain what God is doing in them, they have become lukewarm or they have become so accustomed to the Holy Spirit that they give Him no place in actualization in their lives. Am I making sense to you? Okay, I want you to grab hold of this. In Hebrews 10.14, there's a fulfillment of Jeremiah's scripture. In Hebrews 10.14, it says, For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Who is the he here? Jesus Christ. Who has perfected, turn to your neighbor and say, he's perfected you. Oh my gosh. He has perfected you. Look what he says. He said he has perfected for all time 
those who are being sanctified. And you know what that means? You've been perfected, but you've not yet completely been sanctified. Okay, there's a furnace burning around you. You know, it, it, thing, things don't always go the way you want them to go. Things don't always happen the way. You get a few trials and tribulations. As a matter of fact, the apostle said, why don't you just rejoice when things don't go right? Why don't you get excited about what's going on because of Jesus? Because what the problem is, we get focused on the problem and we don't get focused on the problem solver. So we got to keep our eyes focused on Him. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then He adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Wow. You need to go back and read that and study that for yourself. What he is saying is, in the Old Testament, he said, there's going to be a people. And these people, I'm going to, they're going to be my people. And as my people, I'm going to write my law on their heart. And they're going to live for me because they're in love with me. And they have voluntarily, turn to your neighbor and say voluntarily, voluntarily. surrendered their lives to the Holy Spirit. That's right. See, there's no, there's no forcing of this to happen. There's a time of forcing coming. The Bible says Jesus is coming back to rule with a, an iron, a rod of iron. He's not coming in to make peace. He's coming in to bring justice. That's what Jesus is going to do. So he's looking for those that will do that, that will give their lives. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about me. Wow. Jeremiah prophesied the day that you would be alive. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Jeremiah talked about a people that would be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. He talked about a people that would move in power and in authority. And he said the reason they move in power and authority is because they're surrendered to my will. Not only do they desire me, but they desire to make my name known. What we have found too often in the charismatic movement is it's not that people desire to make His name known. They desire to operate in power. That is the same motivation that motivates people into witchcraft and to occultism. You see, ours is not that kind of desire. Our desire is to move in power and authority that He might be made known. You see, and there's a major difference in those two things. If you're looking for fame because of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because of the operation of the Holy Spirit inside of you, uh-uh, you are pursuing things in a very wrong manner. All you're doing is saying, God, I'm going to do whatever you've called me to do, and I'm going to move in a way that you've called me to move, and you're going to confirm that word in signs and wonders. That's what he tells us he's going to do. In order to reveal himself, God has gone to extraordinary lengths. How many of you believe that? This, I think parting the Red Sea is a pretty extraordinary length, don't you? I think in calling Lazarus out of the grave is a pretty extraordinary length. As a matter of fact, he'd been in there so long that people said, let's don't open that grave, he'll stink. He'll smell bad. He's rotten in there. It's not just a dead man. He ain't been dead just for a few minutes. He's been flatlined for a long time. And Jesus is calling him back to life and calling that flesh back to life. 
And so he's saying he's, he's gone to extraordinary lengths. But the greatest, greatest length that he ever went to was he sent his own son as a man to die on a cross for us. I'm going to tell you, you can't even conceive of what that means. You know why you can't conceive of it? Because you've never been God. But Jesus Christ was God. He is God and He will always be God. But He took on flesh and He came in that flesh and He walked this earth as a man that was subjected to the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit filled Him without measure. Which tells me that we're filled with a measure because we got things blocking. I talked about that last week. We, we, we got things we don't want the Holy Spirit to take over. And so we got, we got to learn how to let go of these things that we can be, we can have more and more and more of the fullness of God. He's gone to extraordinary lengths. You know, his method is though that he uses a man. Notice he didn't crucify a God. He crucified the man, Christ Jesus. He used Moses at the Red Sea. He said, I've already given you authority, Moses. Stretch forth your rod. Work in the authority that I have given you. Through the time of creation, God has used man to make his name known. Isn't that good? Turn to your neighbor and say, God's going to use you. God's going to use it. Elijah called down fire from heaven. Jesus did great signs and wonders. The Father has not changed His method of revealing Himself. He still uses men and He still uses signs and wonders. I loved it. I went to Greenville Evangelical Bible School and in Greenville Evangelical Bible School they taught you that all this stuff had passed, that there were no more signs and wonders, that that was only for the apostles. I'm going to address that in a minute. And then they'd have all these missionaries that would come in and these missionaries would begin to tell you about all the signs and wonders and miracles that took place. And you go, one of y'all are not telling the truth. And these missionaries would tell you, yeah, that's what happened, that's what God did. God showed up, showed out and did different things and you go, well, why is that? And you know what the evangelical uh, teachers, the professors had the nerve to say? Well, God will move in foreign countries, but He won't move in America. And I thought, what kind of hogwash is this? What do you mean God won't move in America? It's incredible that we would have that kind of belief. We even, we even confess that though many, many times. God moves in greater measure in, in third world countries than He will here. God will move just the same. It's the same Holy Ghost. It's the same Holy Spirit. He doesn't change. And so we have to grab hold of this. Look what Mark 16, 15 says. And He said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Now watch what the premises of this is. That's the explanation. That's what God is saying He wants done. He wants His name proclaimed in the whole earth. He wants His name to be made known. He wants, to understand, he wants us to understand the gospel of His salvation and the power of His love for us. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. 
He didn't say might be, could be, should be. He said they would be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. In John 14, 12, he said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And so what is the premise? Go into all the world and preach. Why? That the signs and wonders would confirm the Word of God. Not that the signs and wonders would confirm you. Not that the signs and wonders would build you up. But that the signs and wonders would confirm God Himself. Isn't that good? So people say, well, that was only for the apostles. Well, they didn't read the book because guess what? Stephen wasn't an apostle. Philip wasn't an apostle. You know, you go, you start reading through these things. Paul wasn't one of the original apostles. He was designated later as an apostle. Come on now. You're just trying to make something fit the reality and experience that you've had and deny the power of the Most High God. Only for the disciples, only for the apostles. Mm. Then let me ask you this question now. What are you going to do with this? 1 Corinthians. And I want you to know Paul is not preaching to the apostles. He's not talking to just the deacons. He's not talking to the pastors. He's talking to the church at Corinth. He's talking to people like you and me. You got me? You see who he's talking with? He's talking to us. And look what he says in 1 Corinthians 12. But the manifestation of the Spirit, say manifestation. manifestation. You know what it means to manifest? He says he's going to make himself known. God said, I'm going to make myself known. Well, how do I know he's going to do that in the New Testament? Because he said the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So he's going to manifest himself. He's given to each one for the profit of all, so that all may profit. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, let's throw out what the apostles said. Let's throw out what Jesus said. Let's just see what Paul said to the Corinthians. Let's just work, walk, operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit there. Although what I hate to tell you, if you read in Ephesians, he says that he's given gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, and they will not be done away with until the church reaches the fullness of the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. And as far as I know, that has not happened as of yet. And so the Holy Spirit, the, 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 God that has, the part of the Godhead that has come to dwell in us, said, I will manifest myself, and I will manifest myself in various ways. And he said, I'm going to give gifts. I am going to give gifts. Now, now watch this. Sue and Joni, come here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine. I'm going to give you nine gifts. 
two, three, four, five, six, seven. I don't know whether that's nine or ten. Should be nine. Okay. Nine gifts. All right, turn around. Now just face everybody. The Holy Spirit says, I'm going to give you gifts, and they're going to be to you, for you to use. I'm going to give these nine gifts to you, and you can use them. You can manifest my presence. Notice he didn't say, put those gifts on and keep them for yourself. I also want you to understand this. Let me see those. Just a second. I want you to see this. How many of you believe this is the Holy Spirit? This is just a manifestation. His gifts are just a manifestation of His love and His goodness and His power. Okay, what the, what the gifts of the Spirit are, they are an adornment for the man and woman of God as they minister in power and in authority. Am I making sense to you? Okay, now watch this now. You got those nine gifts. They've been given to you. All right, watch now. We're going to do this real quick. Just you to keep facing them. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you and praise you that, Lord God, that these nine gifts would be used mightily. Now then the scriptures go on. Just stand right there. Let's go on and watch this. It says, the scriptures go on in 1 Corinthians. It says, therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. What does desire earnestly mean? It means to want it. Well, wait, if God wants to give it to me, He'll just give it to me. No, He says, you got to want it. you got to want it. Look what He says. He says, and desire spiritual gifts. He said, do what? Desire spiritual gifts. you got to want spiritual gifts. I, I'm not making this stuff up, folks. This comes straight out of scriptures. Now you can do with it what you want to, but I'm just telling you. He said, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Through the laying on of hands, 2 Timothy 1.6. He said, forbid not to speak in tongues. Forbid. What are they going to do with all this stuff? Anybody here want, want a gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, you better come get a gift. Come on. Come on and get one if you want one. We, I, got, I got 18 of them right here. I got 18 gifts that I'm giving away. There you go. I got 18 gifts. Amen. Amen. Uh-oh, we still got, still got two left. Uh-oh, okay. Oh, here they come. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. That's right. Now we got to fight. All right, how many of you excited you got a gift? All right, now let's do this. I want all 18 people who got a gift. Stand up. Now give it away. <laughs> oh my gosh. Look, we started with two that experienced it. Then we have 18. Now we have 36 that have experienced it. And those better give it away too. All 36 better give it away. 
Am I making sense to you? He said, I don't want you to misunderstand. He said, this is not for you so that you can walk around and look pretty. It's not for you to dangle on your arm. Come on. He said, it's for you to give it away. It's for you to be able to reach out in power and effectively be a witness for my kingdom. Y'all can be seated. Amen. Look what he says. Isaiah 8, 18. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. In 8.14 he said, And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. 8.14 he says that Jesus will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense. And then he says the children of Jesus are to be a sign and a wonder. Again, Isaiah is talking about you and me. We are to be signs and wonders in the earth. See, people ought to be wondering why we don't look like everybody else. People ought to be wondering why we aren't... I almost said something ugly. we got children here. People want to wonder why we're not as angry as the devil is. We don't have any cause. We don't ever have a reason. You know why? Because the devil knows his fate and you also know yours. And he's going to be tormented forever. You're going to reign with Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever. Much better, much better destiny than he's got. He's got a right to be angry. He's got a right to be frustrated. We don't. We ought to be going through life every day saying, I got the Holy Spirit of God inside of me. I'm a sign and a wonder. When I go out to the restaurant, I'm a sign and a wonder. When I go to the grocery store, I'm a sign and a wonder. When I go to the gas station, I'm a sign and a wonder. When I go to work, I'm a sign and a wonder. Come on. Why? Because I'm filled with the Holy Ghost of God. And if you give me about two minutes, I'll prophesy over you because I'll give the gift that God gave me away. Come on. Come on. That's where we got to be. Am I making sense to you today? We just got to get fired up for God. We got to get on fire. What we've been doing, we've been wearing our bracelets around. Charismatic, look here. I speak in tongues. Look here, I prophesy. I don't care about your jewelry, I don't know about your fruit. That's where we got to go. He says, and look, look at this statement. As we allow, turn to your neighbor and say, as I allow. The Holy Spirit th flows through us as a river of life, releasing signs and wonders and bringing about constant transformation and revival. We keep asking for revival. We are a revival. We keep asking for God to do something. He's done something. We keep asking God to light our fire. He said, I lit your fire. He said, I want to, you, you need to stir up the gifts that are inside of you. You need to grab hold of what I've already given you. And you ought to make it burn like fire. We go through life kicking the dirt because we don't have enough money. We go through life kicking the dirt because we don't have enough food. That's obvious. 
We don't need to be filled one time. We need to be repeatedly filled. I love it. I love it. I love it. In Acts 4, 8, Peter is again filled with the Holy Spirit and speaks with such power that the Jewish leaders are amazed at his boldness. He comes in. They've been thrown in jail. They've been beaten on a little bit. And he said, God, pray that we can have boldness. What do you mean have boldness? Has any of you ever gone back and studied what the Apostle Paul did when he was, when he was being beaten and destroyed? I never will forget. Listen, they had been, the, the Jews, the Pharisees had been chasing him from town to town to town. And the bad, it got so bad, the riot got so bad one time, the Roman army had to come in and pull him out so that they didn't kill him. And as they pulled him out, they're dragging him off and they're dragging him to a safe place. And he tells them, wait, 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 wait. They said, I got to say one more thing. I got to say one more thing. And so they stopped and he turned to the crowd and said, you stiff necked heathens, let me tell you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then that's all the Roman soldiers could do to keep him from getting killed right there on the spot. They were fighting for his safety and he is fighting to preach. Well, people might not like me. Let me just, let me just take out all the, the, all of the fear here. You don't have to worry about whether people will like you or not. They won't. The Bible says if you get around along with everybody too much, you better ask what's going wrong. If there's something in you that's not challenging the devil in them, then there's something going wrong. Let me go on. We need to be filled. We need to be refilled. We need to walk in power and boldness. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit so that we can be effective witnesses. Not so that we can walk around and babble in tongues. You see, one of the reasons that tongues have gotten a bad rap is because people use it to show off. That's not what it's all about, people. It's so that we can make our God known. See, I'm going to tell you this again and again and again and again. God is looking for a people that want Him to be their God and they want to make His name known in all the earth. That's what discipleship is all about, making His name known. Am I making sense to you? We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit brings back to remembrance what Jesus is saying. He said, you don't have to worry about it. He said, I'll bring it to you. We need to remember what Jesus did. The Holy Spirit was an absolute witness to it. Want to know if, there's, if you were a witness to the, to the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ? I want you to know the Holy Spirit was there and present and now He abides in you. The witness of the resurrection of Christ abides in you. The power of resurrection abides in you. The glory of of Jesus Christ in the form of the Holy Spirit abides in you. Why wouldn't I want to be filled and filled and filled and filled and filled and filled and filled? Not so that I can just get drunk and lay on the floor, but when I get up off the floor so that I can go and I can preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and people will hear and believe what's going on. There was something that was so infectious about what the disciples were preaching that it, it grabbed hold of people and it moved them one 
way or the other. They either got on board or they ran away from them. They got mad and ran away. Jesus had the same exact effect on people. Listen, Jesus ran away more people than most megachurches have ever had attend. I hear all the time, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman, he's not offensive. Well, maybe you need to read the book. Because Jesus flat offended the religious sect of all of Israel. He was an offense. Isaiah said he would be an offense. And his people are going to be an offense. Two things. And I'm going to close. We've got to be a place of sanctuary. That means people ought to be able to feel safe when they come to us. They ought to be able to tell us what's going on in their life without them worrying about what we're going to do with it. We don't need to be like the three preachers that got together. And they all three got together and they said, you know, so we, don't, uh, we don't have anybody else we can confess to. Can we confess to you? And the first guy said, yeah. He said, I, I'll confess. He said, I got a little problem with lust. He said, I'm standing up in the pulpit. And he said, look out there and see all the beautiful women. And he said, just kind of bothers me. And the second guy said, well, I got a problem with money. And he said, I take me a 20 out every week. And the third guy said, I got a problem with gossip. I can't wait to get out of this meeting. <laughs> that is not a sanctuary. Okay, that's the opposite. A sanctuary is a place where people feel safe. Their sanctuary ought to be a place where people confide in you. Let, let me ask you, just raise your hand right here. You just had strange people walk up to you and start telling you their life story for no reason. Just raise your hand if that's happened to you. You know why that is? It's because you're a safe place. You're a safe beacon in the Holy Spirit. Don't squander that. What most of us are doing is, oh God, will they ever shut up? Oh God, will they ever shut up? And God's saying, I put them in your presence because I want life to be there. It's not you they need to talk to, it's me. And it's the me inside of me that wants to release the power of love over that person. Would you just shut your mouth, listen to what they have to say, and pray the power of love down on them that they might experience my manifest glory.